Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people produced at 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm Emma Hart. First Nations people, we've got one degree of separation. So there's connections within different people up in the Gulf and up in the Cape and um, Dreamtime Aroa had people reach out to them and I had had people reach out to me as well and we realised that the situation on the ground was actually quite dire and there was nothing moving. Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nations and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past and present, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. This week on the program, we head to far north Queensland to understand some of the ongoing impacts of ex-tropical cyclone Jasper. On December 13th, Jasper made landfall as a Category 2 cyclone just north of Port Douglas and over the next five days caused extreme record-breaking rainfall as it very slowly moved inland towards the west. We speak with Samala Takiali Cronin in Cairns about the impacts of flooding on remote communities along the Cape and the work she and others undertook in collaboration with Mianjin Brisbane-based female-led black small business Dreamtime Aroa to provide support for people from remote communities impacted by the flooding, including those evacuated from Wujul Wujul, by flying much-needed supplies from Cairns north to Gangada Community Centre Aboriginal Corporation in Cooktown with the help of Daintree Air Services. Samala spoke with the program on the 28th of December. We'll mention how to get in touch with Dreamtime Aroa if you'd like to make further donations later in the show. But as the situation in far north Queensland continues to unfold, the best thing to do is to check online to see where things are at. This is Samala now. My name is Samala Dakiali Cronin and I am a bachelor and Wapabara woman uh, living in Gamoy, Kansas. Thanks so much for making time to speak today. Um, so we're going to be talking about the work that you've been doing to support evacuees from Wujul Wujul and also community impacted in surrounding areas like Hopevale and Bloomfield after Cyclone Jasper. So it's been in the news a bit, but for listeners who might not be aware, could you tell me about what the situation is like in in some of those communities after Cyclone Jasper? Well, I think for listeners to understand what it's like after Cyclone Jasper, you have to understand what it's like living in remote community beforehand because when we're hit with natural disasters in really built-up areas where there's infrastructure, where there's hospitals, where there's support services, SES, all of these things, the response and the aftermath looks quite different. Um, So in these communities you don't have those infrastructures you don't have access to um, the same health and hospital systems as you do when you're living in a built-up area so it's it's quite heavy on the ground at the moment there's 123 people who are completely displaced and dispossessed and have nothing Um, so infection sepsis things like this are starting to set in I was talking to somebody on the ground today and um because of the sewage that got into the waters, you know, people had exposure to that. And there was also the threat of, you know, um, crocodiles in the water and there were people on the roof of the houses for a number of days. 
So the aftermath of this on an emotional, physical um, and, you know, psychological level, I think is, is quite heavy. Mm, a really serious situation with lots of people needing support. And, I mean, for example, there has been some coverage in the wider media about how um, the community of Wujil Wujil has had to be completely evacuated. I mean, where have the people who've had to be evacuated gone? Where is everyone now? Well, like I said, there's 123 people who have been totally displaced, dispossessed. They have no home to go to. Um, the PCYC in Cooktown, uh, some people have been evacuated there, but there's also been people that have been in need of medical assistance and without the infrastructure up in the Cape to uh, cater to their medical needs, some people have been flown down here to Cairns, which is at capacity. So from Cairns, people have been taken to Townsville, which has then also reached capacity. And so some people have actually had to go down to Brisbane um, and be facilitated in the hospitals down there and spent Christmas down there as well. That sounds like a long way to be from family and um, country and community at that time. Especially when you come from community, you know. Um, it's, yeah, it's a very stimulating and overwhelming environment. I, I mean, in terms of uh, infrastructure and the need for supplies, um, I was wondering if you could speak with us about some of the work that you have been doing as part of the um, Dreamtime Aroa team um, yeah. to get supplies for people who've had to leave Wudja Wudja, um and also people in other areas. I understand that, um, that uh, there have been special flights um, from Cairns to Cooktown um, and that's involved a number of different people and a lot of organisation. Um, could you tell us a bit more about some of that work? I certainly can. Um, so we moved very quickly in the beginning after the cyclone um, because Wudja Wudja and Yarrabah were really affected by the cyclone before the floodwaters rose. And so the situation on the ground here, I know people get it through ma mainstream media, but it's quite um, remote. Um, the, the, th the threats that you face from having floodwaters rising, it's crocodile infested waters. So um, saving people, getting out, moving, it just, the threat is just raised. Um, but you don't even actually have to think about when you have these flood events down south. Like you've already got all of the debris and everything else, but these communities first had the cyclone, then they've had the floodwaters and they were left there. And we have people, with First Nations people, we got one degree of separation. So, there's connections within different people up in the Gulf and up in the Cape and um, Dreamtime Aroa had people reach out to them and I had had people reach out to me as well. And we realised that the situation on the ground was actually quite dire and there was nothing moving. And we also understand as mob ourselves that when these kind of things happen, we hit first and we hit the hardest because we all live on the bottom of that socioeconomic scale and our communities suffer, they're marginalised, they suffer from um, lack of access to so many different services that you just don't experience when you're living in an urban or regional environment like you do when you're remote. And so we started to organise a fundraiser and the funds started coming in and 
we were in contact with Greg and Judy from Daintree Air Services, who were just absolutely amazing and provided the planes. So their planes, they moved them out because the airport here in Cairns flooded and um, they got their pilots and put them on one plane and sent them up to get the rest of the planes and brought them back down. And, and we had people just, it was kind of like a contagion, a mass contagion. Um, people came to help. Um, people brought donations, uh, non-perishable items, nappies, formula, um, cots, sleeping bags, towels, toiletries, everything you could think of. And we just kind of all pulled in and the funds that we raised we used to purchase gift cards to give to people so that when they arrived when, after being evacuated that they would have gift cards on them as well so that if there was anything missing and the supplies donated then they could go and purchase those as well. Just basically tried to do what we could to try and ease the, the divide because there was a huge gap. Um, we did receive um, three containers from the government that had, um, I think it was 12 hands in it, so that was also good as well but I think in the grand scheme of things it's disappointing that they only sent that um, because this was all a community effort this was all a grassroots effort this all came from strong black indigenous women that saw a need and put in the work rolled up our sleeves and got it done it sounds really amazing the work that has taken place and yeah I understand that at this stage that you've managed to um, I think uh, I saw on the Dreamtime Aroa Facebook page that managed to deliver more than $15,000 worth of aid, which is just, um, yeah, I'm sure so needed. And uh, that's what we've had come through our finances and everything. Like I, I feel with the community effort and the amount of manpower and hours, that's got to be up there in the hundreds of thousands because the, the, the people that came and dropped it off, the people that were packing and making sure everything made it, you know, they volunteered their time. The, the time and effort as well as the financial aid that we've been able to supply has just been exponential. On community radio around so-called Australia, you're listening to Women on the Line. This week, we're speaking with Samala Takiali Cronin in Cairns about work to support remote Aboriginal communities dealing with the ongoing impacts of flooding from ex-tropical cyclone Jasper in far north Queensland. And you mentioned you're um, part of the Dreamtime Aroa team and you're also, um, you mentioned a fashion designer yourself and the owner of Mum Red The Label. So yeah, you're, um, I guess you're like small businesses. So why is it important to you and other community members to be doing this work? Like, um... Well, Dreamtime Aroa, I, I support them in everything that they stand for and everything that they do because they're a, they're a grassroots black business that actually makes a difference to our communities on the ground, you know. And um, I'm not Dreamtime Aroa. I run Mum Red um, just to... Oh, thank uh, you. Sorry. You're right. That's okay. Um, I I work with her. She's they're my sister girls. So that's I guess what is makes this so special and so powerful is it's sister girls who we all run our own businesses. We all have our own families. We all have our own obligations and commitments. But we also understand that if we don't look after each other, we don't survive. And that's why we did this. For sure. And you mentioned the government response of um, the delivery of the, the 12, 12 hams. Um, 
I mean, I understand that Army has also been around as well. Yes. After the initial um, couple of days when we just started moving, that's when everybody started to come and because it, it got bigger, it got bigger and bigger. And then we had a few newspaper articles and um, we did have the army come and they took choppers of donations and supplies up to Gangadi as well. And yeah, so we, we it ended up coming. But the thing is, what's so important with these responses is the immediate response. The initial response when people are in in need is everything. Absolutely. And it sounds like community, looking after community is really where it has been at in um, the immediate aftermath of the cyclone. Are you able to talk about what the situation for people um, who've been evacuated to places like the PCYC in Cooktown, what does the future look like for people who don't have um, a home to go back to, for example? Well, I think that's a question to put to government, really. I'm not in a position to answer what it looks like in the future with what help is coming for them um, because, yeah, they're going to need infrastructure, they're going to need houses, they're going to need um, uh, a disaster management plan that is going to prevent something like this happening again so that they're safe. A lot of the communities that we live on, in, like when you think about the Cape and, and um, the Gulf, um, you know, like we, they were set up as missions in those communities, like they were, they're, they're built by design. So they need to take into account now um, that we're living under threat from climate change um, with the placement of where we are now and what needs to be put in place to make sure that these things don't happen again and we're protected from them. Absolutely. I did want to ask, I mean, what is the feeling about the astounding amount of rain that came along as part of Cyclone Jasper? I mean, while it may not be unprecedented, it seems very unusual. Well, I think you've kind of like watching 1.6 metres of water come down in a day, like in the rain, the rain was just, it was like something out of Noah's Ark. Like it it was biblical. It's really hard to explain it but it was biblical. I I was in the floods in Ipswich in 2011, and I've been through a lot of cyclones before as well. I've grown up in North Queensland, and the cyclone wasn't really what they built it up to be, but the water that came from it, I've never seen anything like it. It sounds as though it's, even with so much um, local knowledge and experience of country, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen um, in those kinds of situations as well. Well, I think that's why we move so quickly, actually, to be honest with you, Emma, um, is the amount of water that came. We understand that the lay of country and Cairns, where Cairns is situated, it's like a bowl. And that's where I was with the response. And I knew it was going to flood because all of that water also hits the tablelands and the range, which surrounds the town. And it has to come down the hill as well. So we're getting 1.6 metres of rain, but that's not all in one place. That was spread over the entire area and that all had to go somewhere. And the Cape is called the Cape for a reason. It's a Cape and there's a mountain range that runs all the way up along it. It's part of the Great Dividing Range. It goes all the way along the east coast of Australia. And so when the water hits it, it has to come down. And we're very well aware of that. And so that's why we started moving so quickly. For sure. I mean, with that kind of geography, that, yeah, that does sound, yeah, like the situation just uh, would have intensified so fast. Definitely. Yeah. 
And in terms, so I suppose this conversation more broadly like raises um, two questions for the government about responses. So, I mean, firstly, there's um, what what would you say people need in the immediate aftermath um, of this cyclone? And I mean, if listeners also want to support um, people who've been evacuated from Wudjil Wudjil and also people who've been um, impacted in surrounding areas, you mentioned Hope Vale and Bloomfield as well. Um, like what, what can people do to support? Um, support our voices and get our voices out and heard um, because we are on the ground, you know. Like a lot of the coverage that I've seen has been about, you know, this being used as a political football. Uh, there's a lot of lobbying around it. There's a lot of, you know, fanfare with Stephen Miles coming in as a new Premier. Um what awareness needs to be raised about this and the solutions for these communities actually lie within the communities. Um, Government don't have the solutions for what is there, but they do have the funds and the resources and the the power to be able to make sure that this doesn't happen again if they listen to the communities. So that needs to happen. And it would be really great if listeners out there could really help um, these communities and their stories and everything that has taken place get out there and be heard. I mean, in a way that uh, also answers my second question, which was, yeah, in terms of preparing better for the future and um, better better disaster or emergency management plans, it sounds like you believe that needs to definitely be led by the community and that the government needs to provide the resourcing to plan more adequately for, I guess, the increased danger posed by the changing climate. Definitely, you know. Um, it, there was a real kind of... Um, she'll be right, mate, kind of attitude about this when it was happening. Um, And for a lot of people, they were okay, but there were a lot of people that weren't. And the northern um, communities of Cairns as well, Holloway's, Machen's, Trinity, like they all um, have been affected by this. And Holloway's and Machen's, like there's a, a, it's basically been wiped out. Um, it, it, It had a huge effect, but... When you already have infrastructure, um, it's devastating, but you can recover. When you don't, it's it's also going to have a huge um, impact on our mental health. So I think that, yeah, this just really needs to be community-led um, and government really do need to come to the table and not use it as a political football opportunity. And on a more um, micro level, I saw on the Dreamtime Aroa Facebook page as well um, that um, some people need fuel cards for power. I assume that's for generators. Is that still relevant? or? So power cards and petrol cards are two separate things. The petrol cards are so that people are able to access the store from the outstations um, because a lot of people do reside on the outstations and with communities being flooded, a lot of people will be going out and staying with different mob. Um, but the energy cards are pretty commonplace in Aboriginal communities across Australia. Now, generally when you have power supplied to your residents, you have a meter and you're sent a bill um, and your meter is read or you have a digital meter reading sent through to the company. Um, it's not set up like that in community you are given a power card that is linked to your house and you take the power card and you preload it with credit like you would with a mobile phone. And then you take that card and you take it back to your house 
and you tap it on the box and then the box is loaded with the credit and then the power is turned on to your house. If you don't have any power on, like any credit on the power card, then you don't have any power. And so if this is, it's quite troublesome actually. Like if there's a weather event, the electricity goes out or the reception goes out um, or the shop is shut because of sorry business and a lot of people just go without power because there's no way to get it. Um, so the en- it's for the energy cards. It's so that people can put power on their houses so that they can cook and chow. And so if listeners would like to donate some money for um, so that aspect of recovery, is that still something that's needed? Yes, definitely. So yeah. we'll, um, we'll mention the Dreamtime Aurora Facebook page, which has the details on it um, at the end of this episode as well. So the people's homes are at capacity at the moment and it is sweltering here in North Queensland and the humidity with all the water that is around is just it's make it feels like you're breathing air through a straw um, and so when you don't have access to air conditioning um, like I'm while I'm here in this interview with you I'm sitting in my car and running the aircon and that just so that I can be cool because it's it's so hot and so people are using more power because of more people in the houses because of the flood and yeah a lot more electricity is being used and people are having to use more energy and it's just another stress on top of everything else so if we can alleviate that yeah a real flow on effect um from all of uh, all of the impacts of the cyclone it sounds like it really does it had like that's what i was saying to understand the effects of it you have to understand how community is beforehand too which and then the gravity of that actually starts to set in. Samala, so you've been so generous with your time today. Is there anything you'd like to add about what's been going on or um, the work that um, you and others have been doing su- to support community or anyone you'd like to give a shout out um, for their part in this work? Yeah, definitely. I was going to say I would, I, I'd like to use this opportunity to just thank everybody. There are so many people, so I don't want to actually name names because then I'll just be here using all your airtime and um, everything's compounding and it's been a really, really full-on couple of weeks. So I might forget somebody too and I don't want to do that. But there have been so many people that have taken out so much time out of their days. Um, we've had mothers with their newborn babies. We've had people who, you know, nurses at hospitals and, and like just the community spirit that has been shown, it really shows um, the most beautiful aspects of our humanity and it's been beautiful to see that so I, I just have to give a shout out to every single person that has donated who has shared who has showed up with their time who has yeah helped organize and make this happen it sounds like a really beautiful thing to come out of a really terrible situation well you know there's that old saying that it brings out the best and the worst in people and you're blessed if you get the best That was Samala Dakiali-Cronin speaking to us from Cairns about work she and others undertook in collaboration with Mianjin Brisbane-based female-led black small business Dreamtime Aroa to fly much-needed supplies from Cairns northwards to Gangara Community Centre Aboriginal Corporation in Cooktown with the help of Daintree Air Services. Samala spoke with Women on the Line on December 28th. If you'd like to support evacuees and others impacted by flooding in far north Queensland as the situation continues to unfold, check the Dreamtime Aroa Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Dreamtime Aroa. That's A-R-O-H-A for details. 
To close out the program today, we'll hear a song selected by Samala, Emily Waramara's Yaka Yeluka, or Rain is Falling Down. Yaka Yeluka Yaka Yeluka Nilarinna Nilarinna Yaka Yeluka Rain is falling Rain is falling down Rain is falling Rain is falling Rain is falling down Yaka yeluka Yaka yeluka Nilarinna Nilarinna Yaka yeluka Yaka yeluka Yaka yeluka Yaka yeluka Nila 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 Yaka yeluka Rain is falling Yaka yeluka Rain is falling Yaka yeluka Rain is falling Rain is falling That's all for Women on the Line today. Women on the Line is a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people. This program was produced in Nam, Melbourne, with the amazing support of 3CR staff, so a big thank you to them. Women on the Line is broadcast across so-called Australia on the community radio network, and we greatly appreciate financial support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. We welcome your comments or thoughts on today's show, so send us an email to womenontheline at gmail.com or phone 3CR on 03 9419 8377. If you'd like more information about today's program or to listen to the show again, you can find what you need on the Women on the Line website, 3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Guevara. I'm Emma Hart. I hope you can tune in again next time. Thank you.